All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Soul Things. I'm your host, Brenna Koss, and I'm so excited for this conversation that we are having today with Jesse Eubanks from Love Thy Neighborhood, which is an incredible organization. So thank you for being on the show, Jesse. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so for my audience that doesn't know about you or your organization, could you sort of take a moment to explain who you are and what Love Thy Neighborhood is? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, so I lead an organization called Love Thy Neighborhood and, uh, we essentially do two things. So we do missions and we do discipleship. So on the mission side, I say we are like the Peace Corps with Bibles. So Mm. we recruit young adults from all over the world. They relocate to our city. So we're based out of Louisville, Kentucky, and, uh, they spend either a summer or a year partnering with nonprofits all over the city. Uh, so about 25 hours a week of service, about 15 hours a week um, is invested into their own personal growth. Um, mm. So they're doing an hour of silence and solitude every morning. They live in community. They're reading curriculum. And then uh, and then another 15 hours is just devoted to the life of their neighborhood, the life of their community. And so, um, so yeah, so those folks come in, young adults, 18 to 30, and serve with us. And then on the other side, we just do all things discipleship. So mm-hmm. uh, so we have a couple of podcasts. Uh, we have a workbook. I've got a book coming out uh, early next year. Um, and so uh, we do workshops. So lots and lots of things just to help people follow Jesus faithfully and hopefully like also learn how to be good at relationships. That's kind of our other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. One of the ways that I found you guys was through your podcast. Actually, I know you have a couple now. So do you want to share a little bit about what uh, your two podcasts are? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so one of our podcasts is called love that neighborhood. And, uh, I say, if you baptized NPR, you would get our show. And so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so the love that neighborhood podcast is narrative journalism. So we go out and we get real stories of Christians trying to follow Jesus in modern culture. Um, and we tackle like easy, easy subjects like racial reconciliation and gender dysphoria <laughs> and, yeah. uh, uh, you know, abortion and like all these like very simple things. And so, um, but we, we, uh, we just cover a ton of different topics and, um, but at its heart, it's really a storytelling podcast. We really want to mm. step inside the experiences of people. Um, so we have a couple of staff members, they work full time on the show. And so when you're listening, it's, it's immersive and, you know, has a lot of sound design and yeah, so it's, it's a lot of fun. So that's the love that neighborhood podcast. The other one is called the Inia cast. Um, and, uh, that is a show that explores the Enneagram, uh, which is, um, a personality tool. And we explore it from the perspective of, um, uh, through a gospel lens. So what is the intersection of personality and faith mm. and how does personality shape the way that I relate to God and, everybody else um and uh and how do i you know work on this discipline this spiritual discipline of self-awareness which is Mm -hmm. which can be really hard and so yeah so that one's a fun one we we teach so like the first portion is like a sort of like a workshop like we teach and Mm -hmm. then we have guests come on that we interview and then uh and then after we get really deep and like you know often kind of emotional then we go and we play stupid games at the end of the show and goof off and i love that it's it's sort of like jimmy fallon you know games (laughs) and stuff it's like very very silly and fun yeah, it's a good balance. Um, I love that podcast. I've been listening to it 
uh, for the past like two weeks straight. Um, and one of the uh, ways that you tackle certain episodes is talking about how each type handles conflict. And that's something that I've been super interested in lately. I'm a three on the Enneagram. So I'm very, I think you're a three too, right? Is that what I heard? I'm, from I'm the a four or... wing. I'm a four wing three. My four and my three okay. duke it out all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love a good to-do list. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, when it comes to conflict, that's sort of the topic that I wanted to, to tackle today as our hard space on the show. Um, just because I feel like at any age, there's going to be conflict, right? But specifically with young adults or life in your 20s, you know, whether you're married or living with roommates, you know, conflict is going to arise. And like, how do we figure out how to do that? Well, whether it's through understanding ourselves or understanding that other person's type or just understanding our relationship with God, all these different factors that come into play. So I'd love to sort of just kind of tackle that subject today, because I know this is something that everybody deals with at some point. And on your show, you even have a whole episode, I think it's like the second or third episode. You guys do on Love Thy Neighborhood about community and some conflict stories. So I'll link that in the description because you guys have to listen to that. They're really powerful stories about how um, our backgrounds can sort of shape how we handle those things. Um, and I know I've definitely experienced that firsthand. So um, let's kind of dive into this this hard hitting topic of conflict. Are you ready, Jesse? I'm ready. Um, are, 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 okay. are we are we gonna fight? I think we should do a scenario. We should act it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, good, no, good, good, we'll good. keep the peace. We'll keep the peace for this hour. Um, all right. So obviously with your program, you're dealing with a lot of young adults. And just like I said a, a few moments ago, conflict arises with working in, in tight corners and community and even through ministry. So um, how have you seen conflict sort of play out in your program and with students? And how do you sort of manage that? Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, when people come in to be a part of Love That Neighborhood, when young adults do, the a lot of people come in primarily from the perspective they want to serve people in need. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the biggest drive. But often at the very end, when we say like, what was the most meaningful part of the experience? It was living in community. But then mm-hmm. when we also say, what was the hardest experience? They say living in community. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that shouldn't be surprising. Like all of life is about relationships. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, when Jesus talks about love God, love other people as you love yourself, like that's relationships. And right. uh, so, um, so we see, you know, young adults struggle with conflict for a ton of different reasons. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, on the one hand, there's definitely like, there's personality stuff. So like, some of us are cool with conflict, we're like, fine with it. It's like, conflict comes, and we're like, all right, roll up your sleeves, like, let's, mm-hmm. let's go. And others of us, you know, conflict comes, and it feels so threatening, like it's mm-hmm. going to overwhelm us. It feels like, you know, if I voice my real opinion, this relationship is going to break. I'm going to mm-hmm. lose this friend. I'm going to lose this boyfriend or girlfriend. Like mm-hmm. this this sense in which um, it, it's just very, very consuming. Some of that, you know, comes with like, you know, when I, when I think about like young adults stepping into conflict too, you know, the reality is like, you know, folks, folks that are in their, their 20s, like, by and large, you're working with the tools that were provided to you by your family of origin. Yep. And your family of origin, um, in some cases, had very limited tools, and in some cases had a ton of tools, mm-hmm. but no family had all the tools. Mm-hmm. And and so when you are thrown into these, you know, petri dish situations, you're living in an apartment with two other people, and you know, they're uh, their way of handling life is so different than yours. Like, um, 
it's just inevitable that uh, that you're going to end up arguing. So we, you know, in our context, yeah, people people argue about everything. I mean, literally everything. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. It, it's yeah. like the dishes to dinner to theology to uh, expectations. I mean, it's just, it's all the things. And, uh, and I think the thing that makes it particularly hard when you're in your twenties in a lot of ways is, um, your twenties is where you are really learning. These are the skills I have, Mm -hmm. but you're also starting to see these are the skills I don't have, but I also have not yet developed things to replace those. Yeah. And so, uh, so sometimes it can kind of feel like the tool belts a little limited, but you're being thrust into this whole adulting scenario and it can be tough. Yeah. I think one of the things that I'm learning about conflict, just with either like living with roommates or fam, like dealing with family or just coworkers, different things like that is trying to shape my perspective on what conflict is in the sense that this is an opportunity for me to learn about myself, to learn about this other person and to grow versus like because I was sort of like that one example you were saying of like, oh my gosh, this relationship's in jeopardy because I don't know how to like move past this. And this means that like something's unhealthy and it's going to break versus like, this is an opportunity to grow. So I think that shift in perspective of what conflict can be an opportunity versus like a threat is something that I'm, I'm saying, and I'm still working through, but I think it's definitely a challenge because like you said, you're maturing a lot. Like you can either choose to, you know, go back to maybe like, oh, I'm going to handle this like a high schooler or like how I would as a kid and revert back to my uh, family of origin. Or I can choose to like step into the uncomfortable and like try to grow, but I don't like being in uncomfortable space. I mean, nobody does. Nobody likes being in those uncomfortable spaces. So stepping into those is like really challenging. Um, were there were there any times when you were in your 20s where there was like a specific conflict that maybe stood out to you and you look back and you're like, wow, I really grew a lot from that instance. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Yeah, um, no, no. I think yeah. about, you know, I was in a similar situation that you're in. You know, you work for a nonprofit and mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to take it's a ministry as well. Like it's a yes. nonprofit ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So very similar situation to me. And, you know, here's the here's the dark, but truth, like it's dark, but true. We -hmm. would spend all of our days telling people about how awesome Jesus was and how much he Mm -hmm. loved them. And then behind the scenes, we were all like bickering with each other. Yeah. And, um, and, and in a lot of ways, um, I, looking back, I think there were a lot of times where I made things worse, um, Mm -hmm. where I just didn't, I just didn't know better. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to be gracious to my younger self. Like I just didn't know better. So yeah. I would say things that would, you know, make situations worse, or there would be, um, scenarios where like I needed to have spoken up and I mm-hmm. didn't, I mm-hmm. kept it to myself or I wasn't mm-hmm. very tactful. I mean, there's a million, you know, scenarios, but, um, when you take, especially like the intensity of the twenties and then you're like, you're, you're mixing in like your idealism, like we're going to be the generation that's going to change the world. Right. <laughs> and then, uh, and then like the world just freaking refuses to change, you know, yes. it's like, yeah, it's, it's just utterly igniting as a person. And so, um, so there were just a lot of, um, a lot of scenarios in my, in my work context for sure. And then also like I got married in my mid twenties yeah. and that was like my poor wife, you know, Aww. I just, I just, I just, <laughs> You know, I just had like no sense of like 
I don't know. I just thought she needed my opinion on everything. It was, it was like <laughs> I ridiculous. bet she loved that. <laughs> it was ridiculous. And so like, yeah. So like, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's no shortage. Yeah. My, yeah. my, my 20s were pretty laced with conflict. Yeah. In those moments of conflict at work or in a marriage, like what were the tools? Like what helped you grow in those conflicts? I know like it probably wasn't perfect resolution every single time, but what were some key things that really kind of helped you come out the other side more mature, more Christ-like? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, on the one hand, I think that um, I was able to sort of uh, get a better grasp on some bad theology that I had. So like, mm. you know, in particular, the, like, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And it's like, we have to fix this tonight. And well, yeah. it's like, well, no, <laughs> half the time, half the time, like going and sleeping literally does resolve it because sometimes it's just like, I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. And mm -hmm. if I would just get some rest, I would actually have wisdom and perspective that I can't, I cannot access when I'm, uh, you know, all worked up or exhausted. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think mm -hmm. some of that is more like, um, like, you know, take your anger to the Lord and trust mm -hmm. and trust that, uh, all you need to do is the next, the next right thing, you know, to yeah. use Emily P Freeman's phrase. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and sometimes that literally means like, go eat a sandwich and take a nap and yeah. then, then come back and let's see how, how we're doing. I think the, mm -hmm. uh, the other thing is, um, the other thing too is, uh, is I really did learn, like, I don't need to share my thoughts on everything. Mm. Um, and, um, and, uh, a lot of relationships like, uh, you know, if you imagine that there's a bridge between you and other people, mm -hmm. our fear is that when conflict comes up, that the bridge can't handle the load mm -hmm. and that it's too heavy. The bridge is going to break. Mm -hmm. And I think I did come to realize like, you know what, a lot of my relationships have a lot more strength than I give them credit for. Yeah. And, um, and in fact, like, uh, there was some, I, I wish I could tell you who the research was from, but there was some research that came out a few years ago that mm -hmm. showed that in relationships when there's no conflict mm -hmm. or when there's conflict and then there is, um, you know, people making amends and, uh, you know, reconnecting, working through things, that those people actually have much stronger relationships than the people that never had any conflict at all. Wow. And, yeah. and so, um, yeah, so I think, I think those things. And then, the, and then the final thing I would say is, um, you know, I... I got into the Enneagram because I was out of tools. Hmm. Like, um, you know, my coworkers in ministry, like we, we tried it all. We just, we were out of tools. My, my wife and I were in a tough season of marriage. We had said all the words that we knew to say. Mm -hmm. We had looked at it from all the perspectives that our limited way of looking allowed. Mm -hmm. And so the Enneagram allowed me to empathize with other mm -hmm. people's points of view. Mm -hmm. and and gave us a new language to talk about things yeah so like it turns out people are not doing things to make it personal just to drive me crazy <laughs> it's like they're genuinely living out of the way that they perceive reality and the way that yeah. and i'm living out of the same and the truth is that both of us are right and both of us are wrong yeah yeah the enneagram i i had a similar experience too um i came across the enneagram in college, I want to say. And I think there was just this, um, 
just a lot of conflicts happening with my roommate at the time in college. I think we were like in sophomore year and we had been best friends uh, freshman year. Like we were experiencing all this new life together. And we were like, we weren't roommates at the time. We were just living on the same floor and we um, just did everything together besides living together. And so we're like, this will be great. We're going to move in together next year. Um, And it was the worst experience of Mm. my life with her. And we had so much conflict and we, uh, that same year I had found the Enneagram uh, kind of toward the end of that year and started learning more about how like I respond to things, how I function, how I handle manage stress and homework and life and dealing with family things and vice versa. And we just like, didn't kind of like what you're saying, we didn't have the language or the understanding to be able to understand ourselves, to step into the conflict in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, and through God's grace, we're able to like work through stuff, you know, the latter half of college, you know? Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where the Enneagram really did sort of help me understand. And even just listening to your podcast about the Enneagram three and like how to manage conflict, there was something that the, I forget her name, you had a guest on and she was talking about her husband was an eight and she was a three and how they sort of handled arguments. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sharon, Sharon McMahon, Sharon says so. Yeah. Yes. Sharon says so. I related to her so strongly on so many things. So even just the feeling of not feeling alone in how I handle conflict made me like put me at ease a little bit of like, okay, like I know that like these two bulls are butting heads. So maybe we just need to take a space for a second and like reconnect, eat a sandwich, like all these things that you're saying. So the Enneagram has definitely helped me as well. So I can totally relate to that. Um, And just having, you know, the language and the understanding. Have you found, I'm just curious, have you found through even doing this podcast, like new ways to manage conflict for yourself and stuff? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like it's been, I mean, honestly, I think the longer that I spend time exploring the Enneagram, it's sort of a black hole. It's like you can go (laughs) really, really down into the depths. And uh, and I think the longer that, you know, I spend time in it and my co-host Lindsay Lewis, we talk about this, like there's a real sense in which you're like, dude, I'm really, really broken. Like Mm. in the, like I use the analogy of like, if you've ever put away Christmas lights too fast and they're just this bundle mess. And then the next year (laughs) you're like, how am I supposed to like undo these? Like at some point you just throw it in the trash and go buy new ones. Like Mm -hmm. my soul just feels like a bundle of Christmas lights. It's like, there's beauty and like plug it in. It's, it's pretty, but it's also Mm -hmm. like a total disaster at the same time. And uh, so I think that, I think that yes, for sure. Like exploring that, uh, exploring the Enneagram. Yes. Uh, I see more of my brokenness, but I think Mm -hmm. that the, the biggest thing in terms of conflict is um, it really is like the ability to empathize with other people more. Mm Um, I'm not always great at empathy, like, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of strange. Cause I'm, I'm a type four, which is supposed mm-hmm. to be like our superpower. I'm not that like, mm-hmm. and that's my childhood stuff. Like that's my mm-hmm. own trauma from my own life. Uh, yeah. but, uh, um, but it has helped me to be able to pause and go, well, you know, from their perspective, they mm-hmm. can probably, they're probably experiencing this moment in the following ways. Mm-hmm. And that alone you know, allows me sometimes just not to come in with guns blazing or to be passive. Yeah. 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 That's so true. That's a great point. Uh, one of the the questions I've been thinking about um, a little bit is this idea of keeping the peace and like being a peacemaker. So I'm going through this book right now called um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And I'm just kind of working through what does it look like to become more of an emotionally healthy uh, adult? Because you can, you know, get older and you're still acting like you're, you know, in your, in high school age. So it's like a choice you have to make. So what are the tools? And so I've been reading through this book and there's a section in the book about conflict and they talk about false 
peacemaking and true peacemaking, because um, a lot of times they talk about um, in the Bible, how we misinterpret Matthew 5, 9, that says, blessed are the peacemakers, so they will be called the children of God. And so for me, when I, a lot of times they were saying that Christians will read that and be like, all right, I don't want to upset the peace. I'm not going to say anything that's going to unsettle the waters. I'm going to ignore hard conversations. I'm just going to shove it down and I'm just going to, you know, coast through. Cause that's what the Bible says to do, right? It's keep the peace. But what have you learned through conflict about what is like true peacemaking and what is false peacemaking when it comes to yeah. conflict? Uh, what a great question. Um, th- yeah, I, um, Here's false peacemaking centers around the idea of appeasement. Mm. I'm going to tell you what you want to hear, regardless of whether that is authentic to to my own convictions. Um, And I'm going to tell it because I don't trust that our relationship can handle the truth. And, Mm. and so, um, so, you know, appeasement is not the same as reconciliation. Appeasement mm-hmm. is not the same as peace. Um, it is, it's placating. It's a pacifier. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing what I got to do to make you shut up and be easygoing. And, uh, and that's very different. Like we, we look at the life of Jesus and, and there's, I mean, you literally, you cannot read the gospel without seeing somebody who was willing and I wouldn't say comfortable is not the right word, but um, let's just say well, he was willing to step into conflict on a routine basis because he believed that there are scenarios in which the only way to get to true peace is mm. through conflict. So it's for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. Mm. And so, so often, um, you know, we, we, we just tend to, I don't know, in life, like we just tend to take, take something and we tend to like make it like the big point. So, yeah. you know, if you say like, um, well, Jesus is okay with conflict. He flipped the tables. Well, yes, that, that did happen. But if you're mm-hmm. flipping tables all the time, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that that's reflective of Jesus. And I think in the same way, like he, Jesus does say, blessed are the peacemakers. And he was saying right. that he was saying that to a people that were, tempted to join a revolution to violently overthrow Rome. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, and so there's a sense in which um, I think anytime that we take one thing, whatever that thing is, Mm -hmm. we make it bigger and more important than everything else. uh, I I think that we're, that's, we're getting into like an addiction to our Mm -hmm. way of doing things instead Mm -hmm. of actually trying to walk with Jesus. Yeah. That's so good. And it's, it's like this cherry picking almost of the instances of Jesus versus looking at his life in the context of his entire ministry. Right. Cause another verse that I was looking into is Matthew 10, where he's like, do you not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth? I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And then he talks right. about the division within families. And so people could take that out of context or they could take the other verse out of context. Yep. And it's like, how do we, how do we look at the instances of Jesus's life and how he lived holistically? Cause one of the things I love that your podcast continually brings up is this balance of grace and truth amidst these really hard topics. So when it comes to looking at the life of Jesus and like how he balanced that, how do you see like the way that Jesus lived his life um, in the context of conflict, showing grace and truth at the same time to get to that true peace that we're trying to, to talk about here. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things is this, is that, um, you know, our most recent episode of the love the neighborhood podcast is actually called where the gospel meets conflict. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's literally us exploring this topic. And one of the things that we explore in the episode 
is that in the span of a single chapter in one of the gospels, we see Jesus respond to conflict and threats in three entirely different ways. Hmm. And the lesson there is that there's not a one size fits all way to respond to conflict. Mm -hmm. There's only an intention and a heart and a heart behind the way that you're approaching the conflict. So, um, so there are scenarios where Jesus confronts, there are scenarios where he flees, there are scenarios where he says nothing. There are scenarios where like, he is a boss and like puts everybody in their place. Like there's so many different ways And I think that there's a real sense in which um, Jesus avoided being addicted to one of those ways. And Mm. and he applied the exact response that that person needed at that moment. And that takes like a real attunement to the Lord that Mm. is very difficult for the rest of us to hold on to. You know, it's almost as if like, we sort of, uh, you know, we're like in the swimming pool and our head comes up and we get this one moment of fresh air and then we get submerged again. It's like, it's very hard for us to stay afloat and stay attuned to the Lord and not just get into our fixations. Yeah. I feel like the times that I handle conflict the best or I'm just at most peace is when I'm spending really like intimate times with the father and like in his, like being in his presence and being like really intentional about those moments to like allow the spirit to like guide me and into like those, those hard spaces. So I totally like understand what you're saying. So how would you, so how would you describe, uh, so say like somebody's in a conflict, how would you describe, okay, now we're actually getting to this true peacemaking aspect. I think we've talked a little bit about, you know, the issues of false peacemaking, but how would you sort of describe, um, uh, the path to getting to true peacemaking? What does that look like? Yeah. Um, the, the path to true, to true peacemaking. So, uh, so spoiler. So if you listen to our episode on conflict, we talk about this in the episode, but mm. I'll give you, I'll give you a, a sneak peek. Um, nice. the, um, we explore the story of this, this guy that was asked to come in to moderate debates on some of the biggest topics that are taking place within Christendom right now. Hmm. So they do racial reconciliation, they do gun control. Uh, so it's like these, these big issues. And he, he recommends approaching conflicts uh, with what he calls the three C's. So hmm. the three C's are first is comprehend. So the first thing is this, do I fully and truly understand what you're trying to communicate to me? Hmm. And, and can I say it back to you in a satisfactory way. So can I go, Brenna, what I hear you saying is X, Y, and Z. And it seems like what you're trying to tell me is X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And it seems like you're upset because X, Y, Z. Does all that seem true? And if Mm. you go, yes. Okay. So I have comprehended. I don't Mm. have to agree. That's, I'm not agreeing. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, am I hearing what you're saying? The, The second thing is, commend Mm. so uh brent i love your heart behind what you're saying you Mm. know i love the fact that you want a deep relationship or i love the fact that you're trying to fix you know the situation the rest of us are tempted to ignore or i love the passion that you're whatever it is Mm -hmm. but i commend and then the very last step is and now i'm going to offer some critique Mm. but now now that i you feel okay They've heard me. 
Okay. Uh, they have, they have affirmed that some of the things that I've said, but now they're offering their critique. Hmm. The problem is it's so often we jump straight to critique. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Last night, my wife and I made the idiotic decision to have a loaded conversation at 1130. I no. can guarantee we did not do <laughs> comprehend or commend and went pretty fast into critique. So like, uh, so I think that, I think that generally following that, um, is a great way. And I think even like, you know, let me, let me do, here's an example. that's like not quite as personal. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the best debaters when they summarize the opponent's mm-hmm. camp, I'm saying opponent with quote marks, uh, <laughs> when they, when they summarize, they, they never insert words that their opponent would not use themselves. And they hmm. summarize their point of view in ways that are that are not true to that person's way of seeing. Oh, so wow. you always start off with, so this other person believes X, Y, Z, and you don't manipulate it. Now, you know, we see in political debates, that's not that's not what happens. They twist right. and turn. But the people that are really the best thought leaders, those people give, you know, they're never going to summarize in a way that's that's unfair or w- the other side would not say themselves. And I think yeah. that's a lesson for us interpersonally. Don't summarize someone else yeah. in a way that they themselves would not. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to that understanding aspect too, that you're talking about. Right. I love, yeah. I love that breakdown. I found that, I found that super helpful. Um, one of the things I want to tackle when it comes to conflict is I've been in conflict specifically with um, a couple of my friends that aren't believers Um, and so for me, um, and the goal of my life to bring honor and glory to the Lord in every aspect and like wanting to think through these things of conflict, they're, they're not necessarily doing the same thing. Um, so I've come into, to, um, situations and points of conflict where I feel like I'm doing everything I can to try to handle this well. And they're still like this, they're still like an issue or pushback. So what would you say to somebody maybe who's like maybe in conflict now or has in the past where you feel like you're trying to do the best that you can with all these tools that we've been talking about and these steps, but it just doesn't seem to be like be received well or respond well or reciprocated, whether that person's a believer or not. It's just in my instance, they're not. Um, What encouragement would you say or guidance would you say to that person who's, who's struggling with that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one, you know, because there are, there are, you know, gosh, I think, I think that one of the journeys for people in their twenties, and it's a really painful one is Mm -hmm. some things aren't going to change. And that's it, it, you know, so much of the twenties is like this battle between idealism and realism and, Mm -hmm. and this sense in which like, older people are settling when they shouldn't be settling. They should be fighting and pushing for what's good and mm-hmm. true. And then older people are kind of like, Hey, youngins, like you, you guys have to like accept a few things. And, and it's just such, I just have such empathy for you guys in the stage of life you're in because it's a real struggle. Like I want these relationships to be great. I'm trying everything I know. I can see in my mind's eye how mm-hmm. it could be, but we just can't get there. And the yeah. truth is like, it is very possible some of the people you're trying to work with, like they, they can't, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to be another decade before things really start to shift inside of them. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so I think that there are scenarios, you know, I mean, as we have well seen uh, in the last few years, like Christians are capable of horrible conflict, you know, just as much as mm-hmm. anybody else. Like we yeah. um, human beings, um, 
there are times where we just have to accept the pace of life mm. and that sometimes change is a very slow process. Yeah. And there are moments in which we have to be willing just to sit in the grace of God and just go, Lord, I'm going to do everything I can, but the truth is I can't fix this. Yeah. You can, and, and you've told me that you will complete every good thing you've started and mm-hmm. I have to entrust this to you. In some cases, that means you're absorbing a lot of the debt. So the other person's just, they're hacked off all the time and you're Mm -hmm. being kind and loving. And Mm -hmm. it's really actually not even about you. It's about other stuff in life and you're just absorbing it. Uh, um, And then there are other times, yeah, where you got to like step it up and get in the ring and go for it. And and those are, it's just hard. It's just Sometimes sometimes it just doesn't come, you know? Yeah, that's so refreshing to hear because I just feel like we live in a world where the word toxic is thrown around a lot. And when conflict, like, like that happens and nothing's changing. Oh, well, that person's just toxic and I'm going to cut them out of my life. And I don't, you know, cancel culture, all these sort of like um, things that lack patience and understanding and these things that emulate Christ um, yeah. can sort of be lacking in conflict when, especially with one of those people isn't actively seeking the Lord or doesn't know him at all. Um, yeah. So it's like trying to find that balance of how long do I put up with this, this person in conflict until, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know, like, is this, is this person, should this person stay in my life or should I still wrestle with the Lord? So these are things that in my life right now I'm, I'm dealing with for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like we, you know, one of the phrases we use at LTN is we say fight toward each other, not mm-hmm. against, not against each other. And I think that, I think that when you're in your twenties and you get that sense, like not in a single interaction, but over thematically in that relationship, Mm -hmm. do you sense that that other person, even in their brokenness, Mm -hmm. they genuinely are, they're trying to fight towards you. It's, it's Mm. up, it's wrong. They're, it's all over the place, but they're trying with what they've Mm -hmm. got. And are you doing the same? Okay. Well, that's a pretty hopeful dynamic, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's different than, because I do think there are, there are times where there are certain relationships that we do need to release completely. We need to mm-hmm. let them go. We need to move on and trust that, you know, it's like the rich young ruler. Like there are times where it's just like, I'm not going to chase you. I'm not going to follow you. I'm going to release mm-hmm. you. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think there are times for that, but, but I do, I agree with you that I think the real risk is if we cut out everybody that we just say, you know, I just don't like how they make me feel all the time. Mm -hmm. Or I don't, you know, we're cutting out all the conflict, but like conflict, man, conflict is good for us. Like Mm -hmm. every, every story that we love Mm -hmm. requires conflict. I remember when my, my daughter is, um, um, my daughter is, uh, 14, but she's, uh, uh, she draws graphic novels. She's like 700 pages into this graphic novel that she's creating. And, I remember when she was like six, uh, something something silly happened on like a cartoon and my younger son, he just goes, why'd that happen? That didn't make any sense. And my daughter goes, because without conflict, there's no story. And, and I think like we at a, at a certain level know that every story that we love, movie, book, has to have conflict because conflict is how we change as people. And we remove everyone from our life that brings any level of conflict. We are committing to never change. And that's, that's a very dangerous position to be in. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful to think about. I've never thought of it that way. Um, 
Whew, yeah, that's, that's really good. How, okay. So one of the things I've been thinking about too, is conflict in the context of dating relationships. Um, I'm currently in a dating relationship and like some of my friends are, so we're kind of like in similar stages. And I think, um, there's this, this element of navigating, like, okay, I'm, I'm getting to know this person. Like things are, things are going well. And then like conflict happens and you're like, okay, is this okay? Is this a bad sign that, you know, this person is quote unquote toxic, or this isn't somebody that I should be spending the rest of my life with. Like, you're kind of thinking about it differently than you would a friendship or a family conflict or or roommates. Um, So kind of what advice would you give to people who are kind of in the dating scene and dealing with conflict right now? Yeah, I think that there's a level where you have to know some of your own uh, uh, boundaries in terms of the kind of conflict that works for you. So like Lindsay Lewis, who's my co-host on the Enneacast, she talks about because of dynamics in her youth, she was very clear, like I, she wanted to marry somebody that in conflict would never raise their voice and yell at her. That mm. was a, that was a clear, that was a boundary she needed. Um, and it's, uh, so I think there's a sense in which there are times where you just, you have to kind of know a few things that are like, uh, those are deal breakers for me. Like, mm-hmm. um, now you put in too many deal breakers, you're going to be single the rest of your life. Yeah. So like, like there's a sense, but at the same time, um, I also think, um, I think a lot of times our friends see things that we can't like, like our healthy friends, you know, like, yeah. uh, I, you know, I've been in relationships in the past. My wife was in relationships in the past. And in both cases, if we had just listened to our friends, mm. our friends would have been able to say, Hey, the way that that person just treated you in the midst of that conflict is not okay. And as your friends, we are not on board with that. Um, yeah. um, I also think that the, the ability for the person to, to reconcile and here's, let me say, here's what I don't mean. They act horrible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I cry, I cry. And then a week later they do the exact same behavior again. Mm. That's, that is not real repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're not asking for perfection. That's unfair. But a person that's like, I just behaved in a way that was really detrimental to you. Yeah. Then that person goes to their friends and confesses it to them Mm. and says, this is what happened. I don't want to, I don't want to treat her like this. I want to be better Mm. than this. I need to work on the issues that are causing me to behave this way. Okay. Mm. That's real repentance. Mm -hmm. So fake or fake repentance is I'm, I'm boohooing and telling you, I'm so sorry but I'm really not doing any personal work to change. Um, yeah. That, that, yeah. That's, that's no bueno. Yeah. 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 When there's no actual like action uh, yeah. to back up the words, then, then why saying it? Um, yeah. I, I think um, mediation or mediating conflict is something that I find kind of interesting. And there was an element of the episode that I listened to um, where you were sort of uh, mediating in a way of hearing the conflict that had happened among those girls of, during the incident. So what role do you think mediation plays in conflict? Do you think it's, when is it necessary? Um, you know, h- how often have you done it? Like, what are your thoughts on mediate, mediating conflict? Yeah, I love the fact that you're like, you know, the incident. And that's literally what we, <laughs> what we all call it is we refer to it as the incident because it was pretty substantial. Uh, yeah. So, uh, okay, wait, ask your question again, because I got so entertained no. by you calling it that. <laughs> yeah. 
just what place do you think mediation has in conflict? Like, when do you get to a point where you're like, all right, we need to bring a third party into this or somebody to hear this out? You know, is it just in the context of a program or is it like, no. you know, if you're with roommates, we need to bring in another person. Like, when yes. do you bring in mediation? You yeah, know? I think that anytime that you find um, that you have had that same conversation five times, a dozen times, a hundred times, mm-hmm. and you're both using the same language. You're, bo- you can tell that you are having the exact same thought patterns. The other person is having the exact same thought patterns, and you can tell we're both going to walk out of this. And in one week, we're both doing the same thing all over yeah. again. Like, yeah, um, that is a scenario in which we have to be honest and to say, like, we have reached an impasse. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and. Uh, I want better for you. I want better for us. And the only way that we're going to get that, we need somebody else to come in Mm -hmm. and help us with this. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I have had people mediate like uh, in, in my marriage, uh, you know, we've had counselors mediate in my marriage, Mm -hmm. we've had friends mediate. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have been a mediator for other Mm -hmm. friendships. Um, But I think, I think mediation is wonderful, uh, whether Mm -hmm. that's, a trusted friend, a pastor, a counselor. Um, and, uh, and the more that a mediator, their role is not typically, it is not so much to, uh, to convince one side of something as much as it is to look for common ground, mm. where are you all in agreement? And then to, um, offer slightly new language to mm-hmm. each to each of the perspectives that hopefully bring some of that you know it makes the bridge shorter yeah um yeah yeah it's so interesting um when a few so i'm going into counseling and a few of my friends do couples counseling they're they're mental health counselors but they also do couples counseling and a lot of times people will come in with all right this is my chance for them to take my side they're going to show me that they're going to show this person all the ways that they're wrong so it's there's almost this element too of you coming in with the mediation of like humility and understanding of like hey i'm probably going to hear some things about myself that i'm not proud of, you know, and vice versa. And it's like, have you found that to be true of just like stepping into mediation situations yourself of like, okay, like, did you go in thinking, all right, this person's gonna see that I'm right because this third party, or did you kind of come in like, all right, let's see what happens here. Maybe I'm going to learn some things about myself or how did you kind of, what was your attitude going into those spaces? No, I went in with the thought, these fools are finally going to see why <laughs> I have been right all along. And you know, they, they just need to hear from the second person. And let me say this, there's also a little bit of truth to that. In particular, I think not, not from my perspective, but like I can't count the number of times that my wife has said to me, you know, sometimes you just need to hear it from somebody else. And there's some truth mm, to that. Yeah. There, there, there's some truth to that. Sometimes it yeah. is like, you know, whatever your friend says it, your boyfriend, girlfriend says it, your spouse mm-hmm. says it. And you're just like, that's just them being them. Mm-hmm. Well, actually they have a lot of wisdom in what they're saying, but we write it off. And then here comes this person that's older and wiser. And then they go, you know, X, yeah. Y, Z. And you're like, Oh man, like they were right all along. So I think, um, so I think there are definitely times where I go and like, you know, sort of pompous and like, Mm -hmm. oh, they're going to, they're going to finally see the truth. Um, Yeah. uh, Those don't go as well. Uh, Yeah. The truth is like uh, good mediation. There's always a sense in it's compromise. There's a sense Mm -hmm. in which there's a sense in which um, um, my ego loses, but Mm -hmm. the relationship wins. Yeah. And, um, 
and, and that's a painful and hopeful mm-hmm. process. Yeah. I heard it said once, I think it might've been on a different podcast. I don't remember, but this idea of like a, we, it was talking about in the context of a marriage, like if I win, then we lose, you know, it's this whole idea of like, we need to win together. So like working through that, I think that was, that was a powerful statement I heard one time. Um, so this is, I kind of want to wrap up with, with this question here of, you know, how does God get the glory from us handling conflict in a healthy way and resolving conflict or like working through these hard spaces? How does God get glory through that? Yeah, I think, um, I think, I think in a a few different ways. Um, I, I think that when we walk in the life and the lifestyle of Jesus Mm. and we approach conflict the way that he does at some point, some people will be utterly confused by it mm. and it will open up something in their heart to go, how is this possible? Mm. And I think of like, I think of like horrible situations in which, um, you know, family members are murdered, uh, you know, or children are murdered and the family goes onto the news and says like, we forgive, wow. we forgive the person that committed it. That's so confounding to us as people um and i think at a certain level like when we step into conflict and we do it not to win but we do it really from a place of love i i mm-hmm. uh, you know that um at some point i think that it, it causes the world to become confused to begin to ask deeper questions and now here's this open doorway yeah. where people are able to go god must be real because this is not possible apart from the work of God. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that's so different than how we typically approach it. Typically mm-hmm. we just kind of go out of our defaults. Mm-hmm. It's we're just, I'm just being me, just doing my thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that sure God can show up in those moments. I, I mean, I'm not saying no, but I do think there's something extra special when we're really attuned with the Lord and we're stepping and going, Jesus, I really want to embody the way that you would handle this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, let me say this too. I also think there's a, something to be said for like, when we don't handle it well, mm. I think there's also something confounding when we don't handle it well. And we're literally like my wife, my wife works in the public school system. She's one of uh, very few Christians in her department. And mm-hmm. she's had some scenarios come up and she's not handled them well. And she's gone back to those coworkers and she said, Hey, yesterday, the way that I behaved, was not okay. And I shouldn't have treated you that way. And I'm sorry, will you forgive me? She says utter confusion. Mm -hmm. Like, 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 yeah, I do. That is so foreign. So I think just as much as living in righteousness Mm -hmm. shows the world something great. I also Mm -hmm. think living in grace and humility also Mm -hmm. shows the world. I think both of those are a reflection of the presence of Jesus Mm -hmm. and, and hopefully allow the world to ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. I love that point when Jesus is calling us to something that we can't do in our own strength, when we end up doing it through his power that like he's getting that glory because there's no way that us and our human frailty and selfishness and pride could have been able to forgive or to own up to our stuff. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's a really powerful way to end this conversation. Um, yeah, go ahead. Can I, can I have one more thing? I have just one more, one more final thing. Okay. So uh, maybe five years ago, my wife and I came across this thing called the 90-10 rule. And the 90-10 rule is essentially this. 
uh, some scenario happens. So let's say, Brenda, like you're you're with your uh, your roommates, mm-hmm. and something takes place between, and you find one of two things: either you dramatically overreact, you're like way angrier than mm-hmm. what is necessary, mm-hmm. or the opposite, you should be mad and you're shutting down. Mm-hmm. Um, in that scenario, the ninety ten rule would be this: ten percent of what you are feeling has to do, uh, let me say that, sorry, T- uh, 10% has to do with the scenario at hand, hmm. all the details. Yeah. So you were late, you didn't, uh, you didn't do the dishes, mm-hmm. you were late on rent, you didn't pick up mm-hmm. the kids, like whatever it is. Mm-hmm. 90% of what you're feeling is actually coming from unhealed wounds in your past. Wow. So anytime you find yourself overreacting or underreacting, don't pay as much attention to the 10% because that's really not what's happening. Pay attention to the 90%. My wife and I use this phrase when, when one of us finds ourselves behaving in more extreme ways, um, we'll say, what's the 90% and it's, and it's our way, it's our way to go. Hey, can we kind of cut the crap here where we're talking, we're nitpicking, we're going back. Those are irrelevant. That's not Mm -hmm. really what's happening here. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the real stuff. And that's the 90%. And yeah. That's where it's yeah. like, okay, we're in, we're in the deep end now. This is the good stuff. Man. Yeah. I heard it said that's, that's really good to think about. Cause I heard it said like change happens when you do the deep work over a long period of time in community. And it was yes. like these, I think I heard it from a pastor. Um, but yeah, it's like, it, yeah, going into that deep stuff. So that way the next time conflict comes, uh, maybe you handle it a little bit better, or you're just more aware of like the past issues that are shaping your responses. So that's really good to think about. And that's also a great note to end this podcast on. Jesse, it's been an honor and a pleasure to to talk with you about this topic that I've been thinking about for a minute. Um, Could you sort of explain if anyone's interested in signing up for Love Thy Neighborhood, how do they get a hold of you? How do they sign up for this program? Uh, Where do they find your podcast? Yeah, yeah, great. Okay. So um, uh, a few different things you can do. So if you want to check out our podcast, uh, just go to whatever podcast app you are listening to this podcast in right now and look for Love Thy Neighborhood. Uh, and what you'll see is Love Thy Neighborhood comes up as well as Love Thy Neighborhood presents the Enneacast. So you can mm-hmm. find both of our shows that way. Uh, the other thing is if you are, um, if you're wanting to do something meaningful with your life, um, let me let me say this. Right now in your 20s, you have a window of opportunity that you'll never have again. The op- the mm. the the responsibilities and burdens of life only increase from here. I I just want to encourage give a year of your life away to somebody that's in need. Um, wow. It's going to shape your values. It's going to impact who you marry, the kind of job that you get, the place you live, the community that you build um, by giving away that year of your life. And so uh, if if you want to give that year to us, uh, go to lovethatneighborhood.org and you can learn all about our LTN Institute, which is a year-long program, our LTN Intensive, which is a summer program. Um, and then the final thing is, yeah, if you want to explore more about why am I wired the way that I'm wired? Uh, you can also uh, go to our website and sign up for one of our workshops or buy a workbook, uh, or I've got a book coming out in January. You can pre-order on Amazon called How We Relate, Understanding God, Yourself, and Others Through the Enneagram. 
Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Jesse. And I'll put all the links in the description too. So you guys should have easy access to all the amazing things that Jesse just shared. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Soul Things and joining me on this journey of just navigating life through your 20s. And remember that even in the hard spaces, his grace abounds. See you next week. 